0: Welcome everyone to the very first episode of Tales from the Spinner Rack. Now, you may be asking, what exactly is Tales from the Spinner Rack? Well, I'm here to tell you that Tales from the Spinner Rack is actually a collection of podcasts that have come together to do comic book reviews. And so for this week, I have with me Corbin, who... Kind of double duties on Absolute Geek and Couch Crunchers from time to time.
1: Hey, hey how's the, it going? The
0: Comic Barbarian, and uh, I have down here <laughs> J, aka Not Lance from Audio Ammunition. Thanks for hello, friends. Yes, you're yes. welcome, friends. Set to be a regular on uh, Tales from the Spinner Rack. So, uh, what we do here at Tales from the Spinner Rack is we take all the books that we read weekly. And uh, we review. So we're, tonight we're reviewing, the way the format works is that we are reviewing all the books that we picked up last week, tonight, and then telling you what we're looking forward to that's coming out in your comic shops tomorrow. So you can uh, run out and, and pick up some recommendations, maybe. I, I don't know. I don't control your life. I don't know what you want to do. <laughs> um Cor- Corbin said he's ready to arm-wrestle you if you don't want to show up to go get what he's, oh, he suggests. Let's go. Yeah, see, okay. he's got those... I gotta get my looks. He's got those, uh, those guns ready to go. So that's what Tales from the um, Tales from the Spinner Rack is. And that's what we're going to do here. Some comic book reviews. Sorry, this is the very first episode, so it may be kind of rough. We don't have intro or outro music yet. We're kind of just getting our feet wet here. But, um... So, uh... Here's how it's gonna work. We all have books to review. We're gonna take turns reviewing them and discussing them a little bit, and then we're gonna give our uh, our scores one out of five. It could be one out of five, whatever you want. If you want it to be one out of five, Harry Wookies, and you can give one out of five Harry Wookies. I don't I don't really care, but it's uh <laughs> whatever whatever system you want to give it one out of five. All right, so why don't we go ahead and uh, kicking us off. We're going to have Jay kick us off, or not Lance, kick us off with our first book on our very first issue of Tales from the Spinner Rack.
2: Okay. Um, well, first of all, thank you so much for for inviting me to be part of this. I'm really excited. Um, it, it seems like nowadays it's hard to find people that, A, reads read comics, and B, uh, read new comics. There's not a lot of Wednesday warriors uh, out there. So, it's awesome that we got managed to get together and and do something. (laughs) So, the first book I wanted to talk about, um, like uh, Matt was saying, it came out last week, was Punisher Soviet um, from Marvel Comics and written by um, Garth Ennis and art by Jason Burrows. I so I started thinking about this and I I I like the Punisher quite a bit. But a little punisher for me goes a long way. Um, I kind of like that that they do these small um, mini series as opposed to like the ongoing stuff. I like having. I don't know. It just seems like like the authors can kind of do do a, a beginning, middle, and end, and kind of wrap it up in a nice, you know tight bow and so far that's the and plus you can't go wrong with garth and his punisher so um punisher soviet um is it starts out pretty low-key it's basically just punisher going around um kind of like chasing uh like an organized crime group Uh, i know weird huh that never happens um so he goes around but it appears that there's somebody that's kind of like copying his style. So every time he goes to to hit a location, somebody was already there and they're really, really good at what they do. Almost as good as him. Um, the way that they control their, the gunfire and the way they're in and out really quick, they take down a ton of them. And so he's kind of going from location to location and somebody's already beating him to what he's already doing. So, that's kind of like the whole um, premise of the book of the first issue. Anyway, it, it just kind of sets it up. And like I said, real low key, but it's very engaging. The art's awesome. It's um, under what I, what I assume is kind of like, like DC black label. Um, but only Marvel calls it uh max comics. So there's a lot of like, um, F bombs. There's a lot of like exploding skulls everywhere. Um, but it's it's really good. It, and that's what Punisher needs, in my opinion. It it needs this, <laughs> it needs an R-rated um, story. But anyway, so for me, Punisher Soviet number one gets uh now I'm gonna go ahead and give it four stars. And the only reason it's I don't give it five is just because um, not a lot happens. It's just kind of setting everything up. So there's not a lot of meat in this issue, in the story so far, but um, obviously that's probably going to change. So.
0: What, so what drew you to, to this, this story? What, what do you think about it would draw other people to want to pick it up?
2: Well, like I said, first of all, um, it's Garth Ennis, writing Punisher, and he's—I mean—arguably probably the, the guy that writes Punisher the best. Yeah, that's what drew me in number one, uh, because I was—you know—I looked at I'm like Punisher Soviet. I don't even know what that is. I'm not, even, but as soon as I saw that name in there, I'm like, nope, I'm sold. <laughs> and the fact that it is said to be a, like a more extreme. Uh, story you know as far as like violence and language and stuff and you know i'm always down for that
0: it's always a nice change don't sound too excited about the book what four, do you mean four out of five and you, know, sound, know, really you excited? sound very excited about it oh really no <laughs> no it's good man it's you know it's like it's got viol- <laughs> violence and swear words and that's cool,
1: cool. Well, that was going to be be a question I asked you. What popped the most for you? Was it the storytelling? Was it the um, artwork? Because I know, obviously, you're talking about just Garth Ennis' Punisher. is like, that's the definitive kind of Punisher in my mind. I'm sure many of the readers' minds. But is it the writing that popped out, that stood out to you? Is it the artwork that hooked you? What feature of the book was something that you, like, carried away with? Even though, as you said, the story didn't have a lot going on.
2: Well, honestly, the artwork did stand out for me. I love the way, um, Jason Burrows, and well, even the colors, they're very rich. And the way he draws Punisher, looks, I mean, he's so dark and menacing. Um, that's, that's awesome.
0: I like that for sure. For sure.
2: Yes. Check it out.
0: So you give it four out of five. Yes, sir. All right. Interesting. Well, um, I want to talk real quick. Uh, just came out this week. Um, we're in the, the year of the X-Men. Right now, we just got hot off the, the uh, heels of Hickman's uh, groundbreaking House and Powers of Ten or House and Powers of X or whatever you want to call it. Uh, we have officially hit um, the end of the first wave of new X-Men books last week with the release of Fallen Angels. But I don't want to touch on Fallen Angels just yet. I want to touch on X-Men issue number two. So I know, uh, I know Jay, you're reading X-Men. Uh, Corbin, mm-hmm. Corbin, are you reading it too? Yes, yes, sir. All right, fantastic. So this issue of X-Men volume two, um, spoilers. I, I can't say spoilers enough. Um, <laughs> X-Factor <laughs> X issue one is an absolute must read going forward. It is an absolute must-read before you pick up X-Men of Issue 2, before you pick up Fallen Angels. X-Factor number one is an absolute must-read because of an event that takes place in that issue, and I think you both know what I'm talking about. Do mm-hmm. you, you mean X-Force? X-Force, yes. What did I say? X-Factor. Oh, X-Factor. sorry. X-Force. I get those two. I'm like, did I miss X-Force. something? <laughs> yeah, my bad. My bad. X-Force. 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 Um, because of an event that takes place in that, that issue. I won't spoil it for anybody who wants to go like I said, go pick that book up. You should be easily to find at your comic book shops. Um, but it, it kind of plays an important role in these books going forward. So X-Men issue two. Um, it picks up you got Cyclops, you've got and his kids, you got Cyclops, you've got Rachel and Young Cable. Um, and they're noticing that the island of Krakoa is kind of moving towards another location, another entity. It's Something's calling to this island. So they go to try and figure out what is calling Krakoa to it, and uh, they they start... um, They go to this island and they find another entity, kind of like a spirit of sorts. And they try to attack and kill the spirit. Well... It doesn't work out so well in their favor, and the spirits kind of just like, you know, if you want to be hostile, we can get hostile. Um, but she doesn't. You can tell she it doesn't really want to. And Cyclops is kind of like, why? Are, I to just want to know why Krakoa is being called to this other island. And she's like, well, you know, don't you want to be with the one that you love? And Cyclops is like, well, yeah. And then she kind of explains that these two islands are are. Meant to be together, they're in love. They're to be joined, and so you. The end of it, you kind of see Krakoa and this other island join up, but out of the shadows comes someone else that kind of embraces this entity in apocalypse. So, what did you guys think of of this issue of X Men number two? Um, what do you think of t- two issues in after the House and Powers of Ten stuff? What do you guys kind of think is is What's your, your um, thoughts on X-Men? How do you feel about it? Is it something you're going to continue reading going forward?
1: I'm kind of on the fence on it myself. I mean, it's good. It's not as... It's, it's, it's a lot faster developing than it was originally. I will say that because it felt like at times maybe setting up the storyline or something that was a little slower, um, a little longer to kind of get together. But I am getting it now, kind of getting a hang on it. I do like the progression. I liked having um, Apocalypse at the end. I had no idea that was coming up, and I'm sure that I'm not really sure what Hickman is leading up to with that, but I'm excited for that. So I think I'll stick through the run. Um, I just need something more, I mean, this had a little bit more action in there, but it's a lot of dialogue, I understand that, but I need something to kind of keep me more engaged. You know, I get that you're setting up a universe, so you have to do backstory and everything moving forward. Um, And this book, I think, did a great job actually progressing. You know, like you said, they're on the island, they're they're moving on, and, and this kind of comes about, the events unfold. But maybe some more of that direction, um, less of a slog. I think that that's just my own personal take
2: on it.
0: Uh, oh, go ahead, Jay. Oh no, I was gonna say I,
2: I agree with Corbin. I am a huge X-Men fan. Um, in fact, X-Men is is are the first comics that I started reading. Um that, that were kind of like the gateway drug to everything else. So I'm going to be reading this crap regardless, but I I do, I do agree with Corbin. Sometimes it gets so fantastical that you're like, what? And you kind of wonder, you know, like you were saying, Corbin, House of X and and Powers of X um, were, it was a lot of strange stuff going on, especially when they have like the flash forwards and, they show all these different, and I can't. I couldn't help but wonder: Do I? Am I really going to need to know any of this? Is any of this going to matter when when the rest of the issues start up? And so far, no. Um, the the whole future storyline hasn't come into play yet for all of these, for Marauders, for X Men, for any of these that have come out so far. And this issue was very bizarre. It had a. a, a in my opinion, it had a very heavy fantasy vibe to it. Like Matt was saying about the two islands are, are coming together and there's this spirit that controls the other island. And it, it, it's just, it's really bizarre. And I mean, it's first of all, Krakoa, the fact that Krakoa is a living island, it's like a, it's a sentient thing. And here's this other sentient island and they're going to, they merge. And then there's this, spirit controlling the oh my gosh, it's really weird. Uh, and so I know what you're saying, but for me, the 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 misses um the, the hits outweigh the misses. And so it, it's it's enough to keep me engaged. Um so yeah I, I'm I'm gonna and I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep my general keep on on with this.
0: my general consensus on this is that X-Men the standalone book written by Hickman Coming out of Powers and House of Ten or X, whatever you want to call it, it it seems to be the weakest. Well, one of the weakest of the lineup, the first wave of X books to come. Which one, the X Men? Yeah, this one. Well, the first two, the this issue and the first issue. I see. I liked the first issue. I I think that out of out of the first launch so far of number ones we've had, X Men was one of the weakest. X Men and New Mutants were probably the two weakest books. I think. Hmm. Um, yeah, I
1: wasn't too fond of New mutants. I will say that.
0: Yeah, it 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 was, but I think it what's drawing me to this is, like Corbett said, it's world building. There's Hickman setting it up. You know, yeah. you know. Of course, there's there's obviously something bigger at play here. He's he's getting you from point A to point B. Um, so you're going to have lull issues like this, and it's only the second issue, so I'm not too worried about it. Um, especially with with what he was doing and what he was able to do with House and Powers of X or Ten, whatever you want to call it, um, I thought it was interesting to see Cyclops and his kids working together. Yeah, um, that was cool. I did like that a lot. And and one of the things I love about these Hickman's X Men run so far is how how far back in the continuity he's willing to go to to bring stuff into his new universe that he wants to play with. And kind of like yeah. you could tell he's picked and choose some of the most prolific and pivotal moments from x men history to kind of bring into this universe so i'm I'm excited for it moving forward right now i'm kind of I'm kind of staying even keeled about it. I would probably give x men issue to uh probably a three and a half out of five. It was kind of middle of the road. Court, like Corbin said there was a little bit more action. But kind of like what you touched on, the whole sentient island thing in the whole love story between the two islands was kind of like whatever. And the, the main piece <laughs> that held it together for me was the apocalypse at the end. You know there's... You know, apocalypse is trying to play nice, but with the events that have played out and, you know, with, with what I was talking about before and X-Factor, right? X-Factor. and X-Factor, yeah, you, know. you can kind of see that there might potentially be a power play in the works here between a couple of different players and we're just waiting to see, you know, how, how it plays out going forward. So I think, I think three and a half out of five is where I'm going to sit on, on X-Men issue two. Before we move on, um I want to get you guys opinion. What do you guys think of kid cable? I think he's interesting. I think he's interesting.
2: I mean, positively, I guess I'll say interesting, if
1: not unnecessary, in my opinion, but I guess, you know, yeah. got some some leeway to kind of add. I mean, not necessarily in the sense of like his importance of the story. I just don't see him as overly impactful to me. But again, I'm I'm I was one of those guys that I'm I'm catching on X Men. I'm, I'm big on X Men, but only in the sense of like, you know, this is starting from the beginning. I had to catch on everything to kind of get on this roller before it starts. So there's certain issues that I don't find as compelling. There's certain characters I'm not really totally sold on. Um Kid Kid being one of them, but he's okay. Like I don't hate
2: him. know, yeah, It. You know, in, in Uncanny, when Kid Cable came, was it Uncanny or was it the old X Force? Um, when Kid Cable came and uh, killed Old Cable, um, it stung a little. I, I was a little pissed, mm-hmm. but I kind of like the the Kid Cable. I, it's it's grown on me. And the thing with I don't know if they're gonna if this is gonna come into play, but one of the things of, of, about Cable was that his um, like telekinesis was always weakened because he had to keep that techno-organic virus in his arm um, in check using it. And so the thing with Age of Apocalypse and X-Man was that X-Man didn't have that techno-organic virus. And so he was able to use his telekinesis and his abilities to the fullest. And so he's way more powerful, but I don't know if they're gonna do this with Kid Cable doesn't doesn't look like it um i hope they do that would be awesome but okay. yeah i like him too
0: i think he so, kind of has a he has a little bit of like a watered down deadpool vibe to him especially kind of in X, and, and X- <laughs> x-men too when he when he hands the the spirit a grenade
2: and, he, oh, and he's like yeah, you know i'm
0: gonna give her a gift i gave her a plasma grenade it's not my fault she set it off you know I couldn't tell if he was just being
2: a smartass or if he was being
0: sincere about that. No, he was definitely being a sarcastic smartass. Okay, yeah. yeah. I see what you're saying now, then.
1: <laughs> yeah, the, that, that, I mean, I, I guess there's further development, like you said, the world building, character building. I'm sure there's ways to progress to it. Right now, where I stand, eh. But that's a good point, because that was kind of annoying there, Matt. It's like that Deadpool archetype is overplayed, and they give it to these people where they try to make them kind of do new lingo, like certain comic characters. It's like, like, please stop. Like, just keep them true to who they are. It's not that hard.
0: So I gave it a 3.5 out of 5. What is your uh, take on it, uh, not Lance? Um, I'd probably give it a 3. A 3
1: 3? out of 5? Yeah. All right. Then I would have to go 2.5. Wow. Oh Wow, Really? Mm. That hurt me a little. I'm sorry. I was a little lower on it. I mean, I can't go. I mean, okay. I, I, you know what? No, I'm sticking to my guns. 2.5. It was okay.
0: Yeah, stick to your guns. You go, Corbin.
1: Here we go. Here
2: we go. Oh. Corbin just likes to pull attention to his guns.
1: Hey, hey that's all. Uh, give me a reason to say guns so I can do my now. I'm fine.
0: You just got to make sure you stick to him. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right, Corbin, what? you're up next, bud. What do you got for us?
1: My turn. I have been reading some Batman. So I have Detective Comics 2015. Uh, um, it's titled Mr. and Mrs. Freeze, written by Peter J. Tomasi, art by Doug Mankey and Jose Luis. And you know what? It was an interesting book. It was kind of picking off from 2014, um, where Mr. Freeze was given regeneration serum from Lex Luthor. He decided to use it on who else but Nora Freeze to bring her back to life. And it spends a lot of that issue um, him showing her the world and how to, you know, get him, his, her body used to not having to use the helmet, but while living in, in super cold temperatures internally and and, and experiencing life that way. Um, also, during the spree of saving her and bringing her to life, he froze a lot of people, as he's wont to do. So it ends with Batman... Um, trying to save these people. So 10, um, 15 really started with, it's two, it's two segments of the story. Um, one half is Mr. Freeze and Mr. Freeze going on the crime spree, but this time it's really just to get money so they can live their life. Like they need to the fund their getaway. Um, and this is how they're doing it. It's not for any, they, she has no free. So it's not for her. It's for crime, but it's not for the sake of just like being crime lords or whatever. It's just to make money so we can move away and live out our lives in happiness. Right. As Mr. Freeze is doing this though, he notices that M- Nora is a lot more aggressive and taking more pleasure in hurting people or in having this power over them. And he's wondering, mm-hmm. is that, that's interesting? Is that something from the serum that Lex gave me that is causing her out these effects? Why is she a lot more aggressive? You know, we're just doing this to go to Alaska and live our lives out. Like, I'm not really sure why she's taking so much pleasure in this. On the other segment of the story, you have Batman, Alfred, and Lucius Fox, who are working on creating a serum of their own to release these people from being frozen, to kind of bring them back. They're not dead. They're just frozen. So that's really the plot line to keep them out of the way. Um, they end up coming across a the serum they think might work. Of course, Bruce figures the only way to find out for himself is test it for himself. So he has Lucius, um, free, Lucius Fox freeze one of his arms and then use the serum on it, to see if it works. Um, it does work with mixed results. It brings his arm like back, like it's defrost and everything, but he doesn't have motion in that arm. Like his nerves are froze, so his arm is basically out of commission. There. Um, going back to the Mister Nora and Mister Freeze plot line, they end up making enough money. Mister Freeze okay, Nora time to go. And then Nora's like, No, you know, I'm not gonna be your puppet anymore. Um, we're done. We're gonna go separate ways. And then Mister Freeze goes full out. No.
2: Nora, you can't leave me. I will wow, follow you. Oh, man. Batman, that is
1: end of like, I'm going to stick with you. And then Nora's like, yeah, you know, you're probably right. You would follow me to end of the nerve. So then she freezes him and bounces. Batman ends up getting a distress call or whatever have you from Mr. Freeze. And they kind of work together, or they meet together. And Mr. Freeze is like, hey, I need your help. Nora's gone rogue. She's a lot crazier than I thought. I had no idea what she's planning on doing, but she needs to be stopped. And Batman's like, well, guess what? You need to help me out um, because we have people here are frozen that can be brought back. And my arm is inca- incapitated right now, so I need your help right now. Incapitated? Incapitated, incapacitated. Be- incapitated. Incapitated. We got the gist. Thank you, though. But his arm was incapacitated. In- we said it. I'm not saying it again. Yeah. Okay, it won't saying move. It. All right. There we go. I said it. All right. Anyway. Um, he fixes his arm, <laughs> or he says, Okay, I will help you um if you help me, and they form an uneasy alliance. So at the very end of the issue, it turns out that Nora is at her parents' gravesite, which I'm not really sure about these you know, Mr. Freeze at Nora's grave, and Nora at anyway, she's at her parents' gravesite and she's sitting there going, you know what. You know, a lot of stuff you guys provided for me. I didn't really listen, but I'm going to, I have big plans in store and you won't believe it. And as she's like going off to do whatever her diabolical plan is, it just shows Mr. Freeze, like basically prepped for battle with Batman. And it's like one of his many like ice resisted suits, almost like a um. I mean, he's wore a different variant of the suit before in the past, but it's like the colors of the Batman Beyond. So the black and dark red with like, the mask and like um, a fire gun. It's, it's it's pretty sick of a spread um, as far as illustrations are concerned. And so I really liked it. And you could see those two are getting ready for the next countdown or the next countdown, the next clash against Nora. Um, so that wraps up the story. To be honest with you, I wasn't too wild about it for a story called Mr. and Mrs. Freeze. We got one two page spread of the two of them committing various crimes and being together. The rest of it, they were split and then the story ended. So I kind of felt like they were going in a certain direction and maybe they had to curtail it real quick or hastily switch um, storylines or something because it felt so abrupt that they were going to team up. That's how the last um, 1,014 led us to believe. Yeah. And then after three pages, no, we're going to split. I thought that was rushed. Um, I, I, I'm intrigued by what Nora Freeze's motivations are. Obviously, um, I, I think I'm one of many who agree that Mr. Freeze can be quite clingy. Um, Victor, So to have Nora call him out on his ish was kind of funny. But then she just totally brought character to me and was like, well, now I'm gonna do my own thing. And what if I like to see people um, fear my power? And I was like, okay, I guess. You know, it was weird. Um, It just felt like a quick kind of jolting kind of book. To have Batman out of the way was nice, but then again, if you're going to put him up to the side working on you know a, a plot device but something that will help him, you know, he's, he's doing something important to the moving of the storyline, but also not the main figure in the story, then you have to make Mr. and Mrs. Freeze that part of the story, because otherwise you have a book that I end up having, which is kind of lost in what it wants to do um, in terms of direction, who it wants to focus on character-wise. I would end up saying that the main character would actually be Victor Freeze, because a lot of his um thoughts, especially on Nora and her behavior and changes is coming from his perspective in his person um, as far as the writing is concerned. And that was interesting, but again, I was led to believe this is going to be a Mr. and Mrs. Freeze book and it was not. That being said, the artwork, um, Doug Mankey and Jose Luis did a great job, really enjoyed it. The writing was not bad. Peter J. Tomasi is not a bad writer at all and it was a solid book. I would give it a 3 out of 5.
0: When you when you you're, read that book, friend, please, man. when you uh-huh. read that book, do you read it in the, the Arnold's Voice whenever, oh, not at all. I freeze. do uh,
2: my, my chill voice. out, do not <laughs> kill the
0: dinosaurs. The ice age,
2: <laughs>
1: no, no. Although, although I gotta say, that is, um, that that would be a funny one to do, except I suck at it. I do the Michael Ansara voice, mm. um, the original Mr. Freeze, Heart of Ice, Batman the Animated series, yeah, yeah. Mr. Freeze is always in my head, um, obviously growing up with that, but that, that's honestly exactly how I read it, so. It was interesting.
0: <laughs> Help me, Batman. <laughs> Nora, put my heart.
1: Nora, on Nora. You know that's all he says eighteen times the show. Nora. So he he said it then too as she left him. Um, and that was interesting. Again, I'm not really sure where they're going. I am intrigued, but at the same time, I was mildly disappointed by what I thought the story would go into and what it ended up leading off to.
2: I've loved the the Mister Freeze arc in Detective. I think it's so cool that they took it in a totally different way than I've ever seen. And it's funny because listening to your description, dude, you sold that to me. <laughs> Even oh. when you said I don't like it, I'm like, dude, what you just said sounds awesome. <laughs> I appreciate it. I mean, it's worth I, I say it's a solid read. I mean,
1: that for me, I'm, I'm sure we both agree from the X-Men show, it's a solid book. I wouldn't say miss out on it. It's not bad at all. Maybe I came with higher expectations just based on what I thought the storyline was going to go. Um, but you're right. Mr. Freeze's arc in um, Detective Comics has been really interesting. And I am intrigued to see further his own evolution. I was just encouraged to see with the in- reintroduction of Nora, how those two would kind of relate and whether she would be appalled by the life of crime, embrace it. And then kind of love it a little too much for Victor and how that would kind of contrast. And it felt like it was a little rushed. But yeah, it's, it's definitely it's definitely worth the read. I think it was really interesting and I'm intrigued to see what happens next. I just wish this book was just a little bit better.
0: Hmm. So is it that was a one-off, right? It's one of those one-if, what if stories, or is the continuation?
1: Oh no, this is a continuation. No. Yeah, this yeah. is the oh, comic year of the villain thing. So oh, okay. gonna, I'm I'm sure it'll conclude what? Um 1016, 1017. With like an epic show down there i would imagine there's another twist somewhere down the line otherwise it would be way too direct for me i mean for mr it wasn't like nora did anything to show she was more powerful than victor um to to subdue him she just kind of surprised him and froze him you know what i mean he was so overcome by his love of nora and shocked by what she's become that he didn't offer any resistance so i would imagine that there is some additional um plot twists or something to keep it moving along Otherwise, it's going to be a fairly direct one-more-issue, end-of-story type thing.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. What do you got next for us, Jay? Um, so,
2: I kind of want to talk about um, Star Wars. Um, I got Star Wars... You and everybody number, else
0: lately. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Star Wars number 74, which is actually going to bring this chapter of the Star Wars comics to a close, which is, they've been so hit or miss. Um, I've, I've stuck to it because I just like having new Star Wars stories. And some of them have been really cool, but some of them are not so cool. And this one is, is not so cool. (laughs) So there's like, okay, s- they've split off, you know, in in hopes of trying to kind of corner Vader and and, and the Empire, and one of the probably like the dumbest storylines is Chewie and 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 three PO, okay, dynamic duo there. Um, go to a, a planet that's supposed to be free of life, and they set up these, these uh, I guess, like ec- these explosives all over the planet so that they can blow it up when they lure uh, a fleet of Imperial Star Destroyers or whatever close to the planet, and they, they blow the planet, and they blow up all those Star Destroyers. Well, they found rock people and they literally look like those rock people in galaxy quest in on the planet. And turns out three PO can talk to them. And I don't know, man, it's, I don't even want to go on because it's so horrible. (laughs) Let's just say star Wars number 74. um, Like I said, the whole thing ends with 75. And then, so right now these, stories take place between a new hope and empire and the new chapter is supposed to take place between i believe empire and jedi which will be cool because man we've seen this scenario of these guys luke leia han for a long time um now they're gonna throw Lando in the mix and Han's gonna be gone so i'm I'm anticipating the next the next volume of this because it's kind of lame and it ends with like chewy like grabbing Vader you know because Vader makes it on the rock planet and and Chewbacca like starts grappling with Darth Vader and you're like I don't know man it just doesn't really seem like much of a contest to me but We'll see what happens. That's where it ended. That's where this this issue ended with Vader getting uh, Chewbacca in like a force choke. And that's where that was the last page. So I don't know. I I would give this and the the, the art's kind of lame too. It's kind of cartoony. Like, you know, like a little shy artist on it. The artist is Phil Noto.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. So Yeah, uh
2: Noda's Okay, I'm going to go. Ahead and, I'm going to go. Yeah, I th- the so to tell you the truth, did he color it? Yeah, it looks like he did. Yeah, I'm not I'm not digging the art so much. I personally I was a big fan of Salvador Larocca, who was who used to do the art before. Um but I I'm going to go ahead and look at this through uh, Corbin goggles, <laughs> I'm going to give it a, like a two and a half out of Ooh. five. Wow, yeah, that's that horrible. Like, is it? A- oh, I'm sorry.
1: No, go ahead, Corbin. I was going to say, is it something that is going to um, inspire you to read the next one, or you know, as far as like continue on, or was it like you know a bad a bad egg in a set that I'm still interested in?
2: It's a bad egg in a set that I'm still interested in. I'm going to still read them. You know, like I said, it's this volume's going to close out here. Next issue, they're going to end at seventy-five, and then they're going to bring it to a whole different timeline. And so, I'm not sad to see this volume come to a close. Gotcha. There.
0: Interesting. All right, so let's move on to. I want to save um, Fallen Angels for last. So let's move on and uh, talk about. The newest book to come from Scott Snyder and Charlie Soul. I know this book actually came out two weeks ago, but uh, due to circumstances, we had to push our show a week. So I still want to talk about it just because of um, Scott Snyder is is such a big name, as well as Charlie Soul. Don't want to take anything away from him. Um, Undiscovered Country, number one from Image Comics. Uh, You read this book, too, as as well, right, Jay? Yes, I did. What did... I'm interested to hear your take on it because I'm a little on the fence about it. I don't know if I'm going to pick up int- issue two. Kind of, kind of halfway through it, I was kind of like, this "Really? Is, this is kind of stupid." So, <laughs> the the premise behind it is is that the United States has been walled off. You know, if politics, whatever. We're not going to go into that, but you know, the United States has been <laughs> walled off, and it's a a closed country. We don't export, import nothing. We are a self sufficient, self sustaining country um, in the United States. In this book, and so there's this doctor who is over um, seas, and she's fighting an era. Uh, a, a virus is called a sky virus. It's pretty much killing everybody and making everyone sick. and And the world's governments are. Are essentially trying to to wipe out the people sick with this virus where they're they're dropping um they're dropping like different things on them to try and to try and kill the virus and the people are, are trying to find refuge any way they can and this lone doctor is trying to help as many people as she can that is that are sick with this sky virus and essentially another gentleman comes out of the shadows and say, listen, we've got a radio transmission from the United States saying that they have a cure for this virus. You are the leading expert in this virus in this area. You know the most about it. We need you to come with us and verify that what they're saying is, is accurate. And so they go, they listen to the transmission from this doctor who says that, you know, again, got the cure or from the United States come follow our rules and you'll be welcomed in no problem. Well, as they're flying over the wall of the United States, they get shot down by a rocket and they crash, they kind of crash land in the desert where um, all these other people kind of come and I want to say it's almost very Mad Maxi, kind of like what the vehicle places. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, and they come and they, they take them to an underground bunker and. Um, they're saying that they're in the Oval Office under this underground bunker, and they're all kind of confused, and that's kind of when a, a gentleman at the end of it shows up um, saying that, "My name is Sam, Sam Elgin, and I want you to save America." and he, he looks very much like a an Uncle Sam type character. Um, like I guess I kind of it was kind of a hard read. I actually had to sit down twice to try to read through this book and it just didn't it didn't grasp me like i i don't know the concept of it is just kind of i don't know it's hard to pinpoint i would say definitely check it out for yourself but it's not a book that i think i'm gonna continue reading i might give it my traditional my traditional three issue go but just kind of the the consensus an issue one is just kind of like it's not it's not a book for me, it's not geared towards me. And I, I'm kind of getting the feeling that it might be a little bit more political than than I want.
2: It definitely has political undertones for sure. They're actually they're not even undertones, they're just pretty much in your face. <laughs> but yeah, the CW see, effect. Yeah. Um uh, but they're not as clumsy. It's kind of clever, the way that they kind of put it in there. Um, see, I kind of had the opposite effect that that Matt did. I, I got this not knowing what it was or anything. And I thought it was really interesting. Their image puts out, gosh, man, depending on the, a lot of new mini series, and to be, I, I check most of them out. And to be honest, I get kind of bored within the two, three issues and that's powering through it. This new one, this undiscovered country, I liked um, quite a bit. I thought it was really cool how, so yeah. So like Matt was saying, the rest of the world is suffering and they they've got this plague, and it's it's just nasty all over the world and they kind of see the United States well, they were smart, they closed off their walls, and so now they don't have any of this crap, so they're sitting pretty they're you know they're they're probably more technologically advanced it's a, you know they they kind of think it's like utopian and yeah, like, like Matt was saying, they got this message, they fly over there, they get shot down, and it turns out they're not. And it's w- even worse than the rest of the world because it's got some pretty um, – yeah, like it's very Mad Max. It's, it's almost like uh, – I want to almost say like Walking – it's got Walking Dead vibes because of just the group that they're in and part – Mad Max and even like that you see at the very end this enormous like vehicle like mortal engines type vehicle coming at them so it's yeah it's very post apocalyptic and there is a lot of politics
0: and i i like this first issue but i can easily see it going i think it was sour. i think it was more weird for me because it's very po- post apocalyptic i think in the worst kind of way because like you have manta rays pulling trucks. You have a dude <laughs> like a dude show up riding a shark and land. Like you have a a dude riding a buffalo and the buffalo like just annihilates this dude and starts eating him. It, it's just I just think the it was so the fish stuff is weird. The fish stuff is weird. The buffalo thing I thought was kind of cool though. And then yeah, like you said, then you know this one Porsche sap that couldn't afford something cool like a a land shark has got a little Walter White meth RV back here, but you know, and, and like you said, they it's got like giant ships. This dude looks like he's like driving the Titanic through the middle of the desert. Yeah, and so it's it's a little weird on on the way things are working. But yeah, it, you're very much correct. It is like you know, people are they gave up this front that America closed themselves off. They did the right thing, and and it's it goes to show that it's just as bad as. You know, there is—the rest of the world, and they're—they're they're like, "Well, we got this transmission," and they're like, "Well, we don't know anybody by that name who sent the transmission, and we don't know about this transmission, but we need you to help save us." So, I don't know. I, I'll give it the three issues, but I'm kind of yeah. like, for as much push as this book has, and I understand it. You—you got names like Charlie Soul and, and Scott Snyder, two of the biggest name writing names in comics right now. It's going to get a big push. Like this book had like four or five variants. Certain stores had store exclusive variants, and I'm just like I I don't see the hype behind it. And usually for me, Scott Snyder's a hype machine. His run on his runs on Batman, which is kind of like detective. Everything he's touched to me has been great until American know, Vampire. American Vampire. Yep. And and so Undiscovered Country just didn't hit it with me. I don't know. Maybe I'm just an uncultured swine, or I just really don't like <laughs> politics. I think you, no, you, no. Look, you look anywhere in the news today and all you hear is politics, 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 and, and impeachment, impeachment, impeachment. And it's like, I, do you really want that dripping into your comics too? But see, that's, a, that's an interesting Image question. Image has a lot of that, though. Image mm. has a
2: lot of that. But, see, I'm glad I didn't, uh, i I got the hype now you know, I, I got the book and I read it and then I started going online and saying, whoa, there's a lot of hype behind this book. So I'm kind of glad I didn't see that first because that might have skewed my opinion. Um, but I, no, I definitely see where you're coming from. There is a lot of that. There's a lot of a lot of politics in this. And and if, if you're if you've had it up to here, then, yeah, it's I can see how this book isn't going to isn't going to go down well for you.
0: I mean, I, I honestly have to give this book probably a 2.5 out of 5. Yeah. I follow my lead. My
1: 2.5s. Everybody want them.
0: Well, everyone right? get the Corbin goggles on. I just, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm like I said, I'm, I got willing to, I'm willing to give it the three issue shot. That's my minimum. Three issues and I bail. And there you go. After, after issue one, I'm just like, I, I don't know if I want to keep going wow Uh, yeah i i usually honestly with a lot of these
2: image miniseries i usually fall off after two or three anyway so yeah Yeah, we'll see
1: yeah
2: if it's not compelling i could definitely see it being dropped i mean i wasn't even into
1: it but like if that's how sour a feeling it is on it it's like okay well you got like one more shot with me and that's about it you know yeah i get that what do you got next corbin well, my last one is uh, the Tales from the Dark multiverse. And I have to say, I've really liked this whole series. Um, It's basically DC's version of What If, but just darker renditions of classic um DC storylines. So you have Nightfall, Death of Superman, um, Blackest Night, Infinite Crisis, and then the Judas Contract. And all of those stories are really deep, nuanced stories that can always go darker. Um, And, and that's been exciting. And they've been really solid with each one. So far, it's been... Um, Nightfall, and it's also been the death of uh, Superman. And now we have Blackest Night. And Blackest Night was, um, basically, here's the cover for it. If anyone if anyone was watching and see. If not, just look up Tales from Dark Dark verse vs. Um, Blackest Night. But it basically, it was a huge universe spanning event written, what, almost 10 years ago by Jeff Johns. And it was three villains, um, Necron, Black Cannon, Scar. And they had the power of, like, the Black Lantern Rings, which represented death they threw those in the universe, which basically brought back every dead DC villain or, or, or character, but made them twisted, zombieified versions of themselves. So they were stopped by a few characters who ended up having, um, who ended up becoming White Lanterns, which represented light or represented life, and they managed to reverse the effects of this um, this damage that was caused. So it was a dark story, definitely a lot of death in there. Um, and the, the Tales from the Dark Multiverse, this issue, this number one, attempted to basically answer the question, what would happen if Sinestro was the only White Lantern and was unable to stop the Black Lanterns, who would just continue the progress that they made. So with this one, the world is in decay because the Black Lanterns won. Um, that's where the story begins, where you're basically following Sinestro, um, Dove, if you watch Titans, uh, Hawk and Dove, that character Dove, Lobo and Mr. Miracle. And as you would imagine, as Tales from the Dark Multiverse, it doesn't end well for these characters. But it really is interesting. I did like the inclusion of Lobo. What do you do when you're, you know, having a book full of violence and death and you make it darker? You throw Lobo in the mix. That that, <laughs> that spices it up, you know? So that was fun. Um, the writing was different for me. And by the way, I didn't even mention the creative team. So it was written by Tim Seeley with art by Kyle Hotz. Um, you're going from Jeff Johns to Tim Seeley. Tim Seeley's a great writer. He did some work on Grayson. I read... Um, and there was, I think it was Money Shot, another, another um, title he was behind. And he's a good writer, but it is a different um, feel. It's definitely a different feel, especially when you're talking about a storyline that was iconic for its time and you kind of know the writing style of Jeff Johns. To go from that to Tim was different, but it wasn't negative. It was just a different note. To have Lobo in there, I did like his inclusion. There was actually some character development in this story concerning him, which was really nice, especially in a story that you ultimately know is going to end up badly for everyone. Um, so to kind of see them kind of stop in this one shot and give a little bit of development to Lobo was really cool. The inclusion of Mr. Miracle was fun and also dark and sad. It's it's hard not to ruin the story because we already know kind of coming in that everything goes wrong. And to just say how it all goes wrong, which to me, especially on these types of stories, would just be spoiling everything. But let's just say that Lobo <laughs> tries to do a very heroic thing in um, sacrificing himself, and in doing so, makes everything that much worse. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And that is pretty much where you're ended at. And also Sinestro, who in this storyline in general is trying—I mean, in the Blackest Night storyline, general was trying to kill himself and and couldn't make that happen. Um, the same result happens: the world goes to straight pot, and Sinestro is still alive and begging with Tempest Huguenot which is the Watcher of the DC. Um, Dark multiverse series. He basically begged him, "Please, just end my pain. Like, let me go." And Tempest is like, "Nah, man. I'm just telling what happened here. I can't save you. Like, this is the world that you have inherited. This is your, uh, this is your uh, penance. And now move to the next world." And that was an interesting kind of note on the end of the book. It was interesting. I enjoyed it. it, it I think I like the fact that in this oversized kind of issue, they were able to pack in so much and continuing the story adding different characters and also making it that you had this sense of dread and and the dark multiverse series in general has kind of given that sense of, Oh, this isn't going to end well, but like with each page, you're building like, Oh snap, this happened here. How is this going to tie into this next event? And ultimately, you know, it's going to come down to a crashing screaming halt, but getting up to that point, it's like building that pressure and building that tension. And I think that each creative team that's been behind each of these books so far has done an amazing job of that. And this was no exception so i would give it a four out of
0: Ah, uh, you sold me I'm finally gonna, i'm gonna check it out tomorrow when i go pick up new comic book releases all right there are. It's, you are you definitely forgiven. sold me now these well these uh these dark multiverse <laughs> these are one one-off stories right they are so yeah it's um, trying to tell yeah. the re it's a retelling of that story in one issue right
1: exactly which is really cool so like the batman nightfall it was what if Azrael had won, and that one was amazing. I liked how dark it was and just, again, this pressure building. Batman goes to reclaim the mantle. The Superman was cool, too. The Superman was cool, too, exactly. What if um, Mm -hmm. Lois Lane becomes the eradicator and moved by the emotion that she feels because Superman was being used in her mind by everyone, she takes it out. And, And it's crazy. With that great power, I mean, what does she do with that? Each one has, like, this singular event. In this case, Sinestro being, I mean, the least likely person to save the universe, and and ultimately is, and you bring in a character in Lobo who is just written just as fun and and build some depth there, but you ultimately know, you know, you're doing the best you can, man, but it's not going to end up going well, and and that's been a signature um, of these of these series of these one shots. I'm still looking forward to Infinite Crisis, definitely looking forward to um, the Judas Contract, but you have these big storylines that we remember as combo readers from years past. And let's make him darker. The hero doesn't come out on top. And you know that's going in. You just don't know how it happens. And that is exciting.
0: You sold me. I will be picking that up when I go to the comic book shop tomorrow. Awesome. Definitely sold me.
2: <laughs> what do you got?
0: What do you got, Jay? Not Lance? Whatever you want to be called?
2: <laughs> um, well, maybe we should end with, oh gosh, um, Event Leviathan? Okay. Um, so have you guys been keeping up with the other ones?
1: I fell out a little early, I wasn't moved by like the event itself, so I mean, in, I'm intrigued to hear what you have to say. I think I pulled after like issue three.
0: Ben- Bendis is writing that, right? Yes, yeah, Bendis yeah, is uh... look. I loved Bendis's work in Marvel, but he has shit the bed since he's transferred over to DC. Yep, and <laughs> I just don't know if he doesn't know yeah. what to do with these characters. I think maybe giving him Superman was the wrong place to start. Yep, but I, I've heard I've heard interesting things about Levin, uh, that about this this series, and that it, it feels like every single issue is like you're kicking off a new storyline that goes nowhere. Yep, <laughs> I
2: have actually kind of liked uh, this st- the series with the exception of the last couple of issues where, yeah, it's just, it's almost like they had this really cool plot and then they just had to kind of stretch it over six issues, which probably would have been better at like four, to tell you the truth. Um, I like, I, I like their use of, I mean, it's pretty, so, everybody pretty much is in here trying to solve this, who is Leviathan and Leviathan is somebody that, that went and took out all the spy organizations in the DC universe. Um, they took up, uh, gosh, like Argus and, um, gosh, who else? Um, what are the, what that Nightwing used to, the one that Dick Grayson used to belong to, um, Oh, it's slipping my memory. Anyway, so they went, took them out, and you got all the heroes kind of trying to to figure out who this mysterious uh, group is that's, that's doing this. And, and the whole purpose of Leviathan is they want to expose everything that that governments have locked away uh, in, in secret. And they want to just leak everything to everybody so that there's this total transparency and they they're trying to get superman on their side and they're totally convinced they can if they just kind of explain what they're trying to do so they're they're not i mean in a sense they're not like villains they're almost like anti-heroes because they're they believe they're doing the world justice and, and I mean, depending on how you look at it, you know, they, you could think they're right. And in some, in a lot of sense, they, they all kind of are what, they're, what they want to do. And they're motivated. They're not motivated really by evil. They just want to make the world a better place. And they think this is how you do it. And I like the use of all the characters because you got – I mean, Superman and Lois are kind of – Spotlight in the center of this, and Green Arrow and zaytana and Talia al Ghul's in this, but I'm not gonna, I won't spoil it because it, it just came out. But you get, you finally get to know who Leviathan is, and, and that's what's been kind of motivating this whole series: is who is this? Who is this being that's so that's that's always a step ahead of all like all the heroes that's managed to do all of this under everybody's nose and get away with it and then when you find out who it is you're just kind of like okay
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) underwhelming would you say
2: uh yeah
0: yeah in a sense but it's it's gonna continue it's somewhat (laughs) stupid isn't it What's that? Leviathan is somebody stupid, isn't it? Kinda. It, it makes sense. It
2: makes sense who it is, but still, you're just. It's not like one of those. Oh my gosh moments. It's. It's kind of one of those like, okay, you know, like it kind of goes out with a whimper instead of a bang. Yeah, yeah. I'm afraid so. And I've really liked it. I. I think it's. It's gritty, and I like the artwork, and. It's just, I don't know. I've enjoyed it, so the, like I said, up until the last, this issue and issue number five. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they can't all be winners, I guess. Uh,
0: <laughs> so, what, so what would your score of it be? For the whole series or just this issue? Uh, I mean, due to the whole series, when not? Would you recommend the series to somebody? If you were sitting in a comic book shop and they were looking at a trade of it, would you recommend it?
2: No. Now that it's over, no. If it was like issue like two or three, I would. But now, no. I'd probably give it two and a half with the way
0: everything wow. played out. Over, uh, six, over six issues? Yeah. Two and a half over six issues. Jeez. Yeah, yeah that's it's not very that's good. That's
1: I mean, especially for a signature event like Leviathan was supposedly supposed to be.
2: Supposedly supposed to be. Invested in this. And just to kind of like, like Corbin said, it kind of ended in a whimper. I'm like, oh, that's it? I don't know. But, I mean, that's just my opinion. What do I know? You know? (laughs) And you're kind of an expert
1: here on the spinner rack, okay? That's what you know. (laughs) Remember that. Own that, Jay. Not Lance. (laughs) All right, all right. There we are. Exactly. You know, it, it wasn't great. I can't talk that much because I didn't finish it, but you can. So, so do it.
0: <laughs> that yeah. seems to be the mo with a lot of DC events. I mean, look at look at um, Doomsday Clock. I mean, how many people oh. have checked out a Doomsday Clock? DC Clock, in my opinion, is yeah. what I'm calling it. It's ridiculous. I mean, yeah. DC this year has not had a great
1: year. I, I think we could say that unequivocally, hands down. It's just been rough. And all these events that have just fizzled out um, the year of the villain. I mean, Lord.
0: Well, I think it's because (laughs) a lot of it I think is because they made so many promises coming in out of Rebirth that we're not going to have all these issues, you know, single character issues. We're going to keep it to a core, you know, core number in our just our core heroes. And and it's kind of like that lasted for a year and then they've kind of just fallen back into their old ways.
1: I don't even think they know mm-hmm. what that means anymore when they say these promises that we're going to keep things simple and we're not going to, you know, convolute things or wreck yeah. things up for the sake of doing that, that they even know what that is. Tom King on Batman, I mean, I can go into this. I'm just going to stop right here. But Tom King on Batman and Brian McBendish on Superman this year have just been horrific, in my opinion. We didn't get a chance to really touch on it, but um, I hated Batman 82, uh, Was was not a fan of how that whole story worked out. And I'm not excited, although I will finish it just because I'm
0: kind of committed. Well, it's weird. It Could be, you know, we made fun of An Absolute Key. We made fun of Rebirth, and it's not a reboot. But Rebirth started off strong, and yeah, and uh, you know, Tom King started off writing strong on Batman. You know, his his first couple of series and stories on Batman were really good what? until mm-hmm. until you got to the the. Catwoman. I think where it derails is the Catwoman, Bruce Wayne, Selena Kyle, Lovein story.
1: And I mean, also let's give some some you know some blame on his writing style as well. I think he took certain tropes that were not popular, and instead of changing them, doubled down on it. I mean, it was a lot of pointless exposition through a lot of it. There was straight poetry in some. There was some storylines that were out of character. Yeah. Um, some story segments that were out of character for certain DC universe characters that get you putting a different stamp on them. But when I'm reading a character, I shouldn't have to go, oh, this isn't Batman. This is Tom King if he was Batman. I know we were friends a while ago, Matt, with, um, oh, now I'm forgetting his name now, uh, Kevin Smith on Batman and how I didn't put the two of them together. I shouldn't have to worry about the creator putting his own stamp on it, but making the creator that character. There should be a line of difference, in my opinion. And it's kind of gone off the rails for, for a long time coming now. And rather than take that feedback, he's doubled down on it to the detriment of everything. Now you culminate in the city of Bane event where, you know, you have Batman and Bane having this one-on-one fight, except it's not really a one-on-one fight. Meanwhile, Thomas Wayne is wreaking havoc and also getting in the picture because he wants to show Bruce that, Oh, by the way, you shouldn't be like me. It's like, okay, then what are you doing? Like there's so many pointless storylines and plot holes in this to kind of focus on this developing will there will not they relationship between Batman and Catwoman that has spanned way too long, in my opinion. Mm,
0: and and yeah. it, the Tom King thing is interesting because, I mean, when he came to Batman, he came off a critically acclaimed book. He was coming yeah. off of Vision. The Vision. And, yeah. and he had good stories under his belt, and he was... He was the man chosen to be um Scott Snyder's successor. And I thought his stuff with Gotham Girl and like his first couple of stories it. were I am Gotham were good and, and you know it it was good stuff and then just about the time he decided to go the the Batman Catwoman love story that went and is still going on way longer than it needed to. It just
2: Yeah. Well plus Mr. Miracle was awesome too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you guys. I was, I was a big Tom King defender. I powered through those Catwoman issues, but oh my gosh. Yeah. Again, it's one of those things that should have just been wrapped up and I don't think anybody cares that much. I mean, it was cool in the beginning, But now it's turned into, like, this thing where you're like, oh, my gosh, just do something, you know? I don't even care. Just do something with (laughs) your relationship.
1: (laughs) It's running, of course, for sure. Yeah. And we still have a 12-issue maxi-series still. So, I mean, this story won't end, and I'm hoping that having a concentrated series will keep – King focused to keep a very tight storyline and start the beginning and get to the end with the minimal fluctuation between everything else. That is my hope, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see.
0: And I know, I know, his time on Batman is coming to an end. Um, yeah, really soon. It's actually very soon. Um, it's not. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what issue it is where he's leaving. Do you? Do you know Corbin? Um,
1: I think it's what. It's not hundred eighty. It's wrapping up eighty seven. Let me check.
0: Out after issue oh. eighty five, Tom King leaves 85. Batman Okay, after there issue you go. 85. So I mean, he oh, has three no. issues left to work this out. Really, two now. So well, and then then well, the next issue eighty five. yeah, next issue comes out tomorrow. So yep, and I'm not excited for that, by the way. Um, <laughs> and then the book transitions over to to James Tinian. So I I hope he does a much better job on the book with the batman going forward but as far as bendis goes i have not been i went for a huge bendis supporter i mean god he gave us miles morales he gave us ultimate spider-man he gave us um all new x-men like he gave us so much good stuff and but he then, also
2: gave us civil war two. well
0: remember and, that. yeah and
2: then Ooh,
1: yeah balance it out <laughs> kind
0: of, kind of towards the end there when he you know the, the choices he started to make with all new X-Men and then when he went over to DC it's like he never recovered and his work on on Superman has been some of the worst Superman stuff and I'm not even a Superman fan.
2: Well yeah. none of those those um Bendis tiles remember they they tried to create he tried to create like his own universe with like Jinx World and he had I mean, it was super ambitious, and I, I'm i pretty sure I got most of those titles, and they all sucked, you know? I, I don't think there was one I can even – I can't even recall any of the storylines, any of them. Um, and, yeah, it's almost like, gosh, man, don't spread yourself out so thin, you know? It's like, what are they – he gets paid by, like, you know, by – Word, you know, by sentence or whatever. I don't know what the deal is, but dude, it's like, man, you're just you're going at it way too hard, you know? Yeah, but that's true.
0: All right, so let's get into my final book of the night, and I think it's one that you. I'm not sure if you both have read too. Fallen Angels. Yeah, Yeah. you didn't read Fallen Angels, Corbin. I can't count on you for nothing. No, okay. Listen, I've been solid. You had three one books. job, I Corbin. One.
1: No, you did hey. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> watch, watch next week. That's all I'm trying to say. Uh, catch me next week, y'all. I'll, I'll catch How about you next that? Week. All right.
0: Fallen Angels was the first. Was the last book in the first um, number one runs of the new X Men stuff um, so far of Phase One. Um, it sees Psylocke teaming up with X23 and once again, Young Cable. So young Cable's getting a lot of shine in this new (laughs) X-Men series right now. Um, They love them from Cable. So it's it's an interesting take. You see, um, if you've been reading Excalibur, uh, Betsy Bardock has separated (laughs) and she is no longer. um, What are you laughing at?
1: <laughs> that, that uh, jay understands but i i totally tried to joke and you were not having it sir <laughs> what,
0: what did you say i completely missed it
1: I, it was so forgettable i forgot i was like oh. oh plenty of cable or something and you were like anyways yeah. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> moving on yep, move, exactly. i missed it moving <laughs> on uh
0: okay. betsy bryan if you read excalibur you know betsy bryan has now uh retaken the mantle of captain britain which she has done before um and I, I'm gonna mess up her name. I was do Kawana. How do you pronounce it, Kawana. Um, she.
2: Yeah.
0: I mean, if you're in X Men lore, you know Psylocke took over her body, and that's how she kind of got. She went from being a British woman to that that Asian supermodel, kung fu, purple haired look that we all know and love. Um, but they've split, and now uh, where Betsy Bardock has taken up the mantle of Captain Britain again. Kawana is now taking up the mantle of Psylocke. She's gonna continue being Psylocke. So this kind of sees again, like I said, this this plays out of um, events of previous books, X Factor again, X Factor. The events of X Factor.
1: I did. Incapitated.
0: Yeah. Whatever. (laughs) Again, it plays off the events of X Factor. Um, Someone. Key is missing, and I don't want to say because it spoils so much. But <laughs> um, so someone key is dead. dead. Someone is dead. I don't know if they'll stay dead. I'll be interested to hear your thoughts on that. But um, someone key is dead, and now you kind of, like I said, you see the heads of the other members of the Krokoan government kind of playing for power. And you have a to Magneto asking for. Um, permission to lead a to leave Krakoa to conduct a personal mission, and Magneto kind of says, you, you know, no, but then it's kind of like, I don't want to let you, people know that I'm letting you do this, so go ask Mr. Sinister. So he kind of refers her to Mr. Sinister to go offer Krakoa to kind of uh produce to do this mission, and um, that's very personal to her. And it's kind of like the the story kind of revolves around um, Koana X twenty three and and Cable kind of feeling like they don't belong in Krakoa. And X twenty three even says like I I need to get out of here. I want to go with you because I need to get out of Logan's shadow. I can't be in Logan's shadow anymore. And young Cable's just kind of like I'm I'm down to do whatever. So let's let's roll out. You know. So. It's just very interesting to kind of see this this play out um, through through the issue. It was I thought it was a strong first issue. Um, I'm excited to see where it goes. I definitely love the artwork in it. Um, yeah. Trying to find the creative team on it here. It's um, Brian Hill is a writer and Sazmin. Oh, I'm going to butcher that. Kuduranski. Good luck. Kuduranski is the artist. I apologize if I butchered your name, but just the art in this book is absolutely beautiful. Um, I love the use of, of the darker tones in this book. Yeah. Uh, I love kind of just... You know, you're not you're not sure fully on what what's all going on yet with the story, but I kind of like the I like the team up. The team up intrigues me. Um, I don't know. I I I'd probably give this book a four a, a four point five out of five.
1: Whoa! That's, is that the high
2: score of the night? I think so.
0: Okay. I liked this. I liked it a lot. Like I was I was expecting not to like Fallen Angels. I I like Psy, Psylocke. I like X twenty three, but the the art along with the, the kind of the darker story, and you kind of see all the different sides that play here, and it it's very interesting, and I'm very intrigued, and it intrigued me to want to read the next issue. So I'm gonna check it out. I'd say it's a solid go. What did you think of it, Jay? I liked it a lot.
2: Um, I honestly I had to read it like some of the pages like a f- couple times because it was hard to really like get a full grasp on what was really going on um but the art and just the whole vibe of the book it almost kind of reminded me of like m- like matrix you know how like you know they're kind of in like uh, in some of the, a lot of the parts are like in dark glasses and like black leather outfits and um it's just really it almost looks like a like like the storyboard of the matrix, Mm -hmm. you know, if that makes any sense, but I liked their, their use of X 23. Um, I liked that. Um, well, I mean, I don't know. I I was going to say, I liked that. They got cabled. The the reason why they got him kind of makes sense. They're like, take him. He's a soldier. First and foremost
0: page right here is incredible. Yeah, that's yeah, wow, and then like just some of the let's see, where is it like this right here of Magneto, just like the tones and stuff on Magneto? Yeah,
2: well, even the Sinister, the part where they showed Sinister was really cool too, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's pretty cool. I the thing that's that amazes me is how they managed to give each of these. X-Men books, such a different vibe to each of them. There's the, That's the sinister. S- yeah, yeah.
1: That is sick. And I, I, I'm i right there with you, Jay. I mean, better or for worse, each one is different. I don't think there's one um, – there's no two titles alike that have the same kind of uh, temperature. You know, whether it's right. each one has its own identity, and that is important, especially when you're rolling out so many books that you know are all in the same X Men you know universe and tie in that that each have their own separate identity that you could read for its own style. So that is something that cannot be understated. Yeah, that's a really good point, Jeff.
0: Well, I think that, that you know the books all kind of connect, and it's interesting. Like they're all different people writing them, and they, they connect except for, in my opinion, the only one that hasn't connected so far was New Mutants. <laughs> I still don't understand what was going on with New Mutants.
1: You and me both, <laughs> I have it right here in my hands. And I'm still going, what, what are you? Like, what are you? It and was such an
0: odd one. Just. And odd. I think the book that stands out other than Fallen Angels for me for this series has got to be Marauders. Marauders yeah. is the one book in this new X-Men launch that I am so looking forward to issue two.
2: Hmm. It was such an, in- uh, an interesting concept that... I I don't think anything ever's I don't think anything has been done in X-Men like it. It's it's a, just a whole different concept. And that's what makes it so down. exciting for me.
0: Like I, I didn't understand why Kitty Pride can't go through the portals to get into Krakoa. You know, and it's yeah, like you think yeah. maybe she lost her powers, but then she phases later on. It's like what what's going on? And it, it's so intriguing. I think that cast intrigues the hell out of me. You know, I was, I was. We're at the end of the first issues of the new X Men run, a uh, phase one. Anyway, I know phase two is coming, and we've got Wolverine and all these other ones coming still. But you know, we're at the end of phase one, and other, otherwise, other than New Mutants and the first two issues of X Men, I'm, I'm solid. I'm sold. I'm excited. It's a rebirth of the X Men. Yeah, X-Men.
2: They're yeah. They're hopefully they can keep it up.
0: And I think <laughs> so, it, like. Um, and that's why I was saying that Hickman is going deep because to go all the way back to, and to separate Kiwana and, and Betsy, Bar- Betsy Bardock again for, and make them two separate people is, is genius to me. After and there's, so a, there's long.
2: a, a panel here where they actually confront each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's tense. Let's put it that way. It's tense.
0: <laughs> I mean, she's come a long way from her time as a model and all that that stuff. You know, it's just it's very interesting to see where that book goes. So, yeah. What What would you give that book? Um, I'd
2: give it. Uh, I'd give it a four.
0: Oh, you're going to undercut. You're going to cut me off at the knees by 0.5. The the
2: only reason, the only reason why (laughs) undercut me by 0.5. I there, like I said, there was a lot going on in it and I'm not even sure I still fully get everything that just happened in this issue. I'm probably going to go back and read it again before I I get issue two. Um, But that's the only reason. Other than that, it's it's pretty solid. I would definitely recommend this.
0: I would say this book is is very much an identity crisis of sorts. Like you're seeing these three characters play out their identity crises through well, these two characters Mm -hmm. specifically because really on point, man. Young Cable is just kind of like it. You know, I'm here. I'm a soldier. That I'm here to kick ass and chew bubble gum. What's up? And but you have X twenty three who doesn't know who she is. She wants to establish her herself as a person. She doesn't want to live in Wolverine's shadow. She doesn't want to live in the shadow of Logan. And then you have you know Kawanna who is now taking up Psylocke. She doesn't want to live in the shadow of what she was, what Psylocke was when it was Betsy Bardock as as Psylocke. She needs to establish her own meaning in her own personality to To using this character and this name and and what it represents and means to her, so I mean, you could I think you could easily call it the book identity crisis versus really fallen angels. But
2: well, you can even say that with with young Cable because in a way he's he's kind of trapped in the shadow of his of the Cable all everyone else used to know. Yeah. Know that, like, this hardened soldier that just had a, you know, that always knew what to do and mm-hmm. was always prepared. Now, you're this kid, and like, yeah, and, and you're almost living under the shadow of your former self, you know? Right. Wow, man, that's deep. Wow, that that that's deep
0: <laughs> what can I say? I love comic book reviews. There we are. There we are. <laughs> Uh but all right, so those have been the reviews of the books we let re, we read last week. Now we're gonna tell you what we're looking forward to that comes out into your local comic shops tomorrow. Um so why don't we go ahead and uh I'll kick it to, to Corbin, I'll let you go first on what you're looking forward to tomorrow, what you got coming out on your pull list and what you're gonna pick up.
1: Um, I mean the next well, I definitely have my Batman stuff. So that's Batman Beyond. Um kind of figuring out the new identity of this Batwoman. Um, what well, we already know, but kind of going on with that storyline. We have Batman 83, which, uh, I mean, I'm going to read it. So there's that. <laughs> um, I almost feel, let me just make sure. I feel like the Tales of the Adult Multiverse. No, that's the week. That's next week. Um, let me just make sure. Oh, what the heck? I'll throw it in there. Um, Tales of the Adult Multiverse Infinite Crisis is going to be a big one. Um, and if that comes out this upcoming next week, then whatever, because I still am very much enjoying it. And and that's really going to be it. I'm Legion of Superheroes. Let's give it another shot.
0: Jay, how about you?
2: Um, well, for DC, I, I'm with Corbin. I've got Batman number 83, um, Justice League 36. And I'm probably the only – I'm the only one I know of – that I know that's still hanging on Nightwing – because it was good once. You, Rick Grayson, yeah, that whole thing's been played out, but I love Rick man, Grayson. I'm, I'm powering through, man. I it's it's going to get good again, I hope. <laughs> um Marvel Absolute Carnage, uh 5 of 5 comes out um tomorrow, Amazing Spider-Man, uh okay. Avengers, Captain America, Conan the Barbarian number 11. Deadpool, number one. I'll probably get it, but not hoping. I don't have much hope in that. Excalibur, number two, comes out. Marauders, number two, comes out. It's a big Marvel week for me. It's a lot. Immortal Hulk.
0: Um, so, yeah. That's what that's what I'm getting. That's, I mean, we're pretty much on the same page, guys. Uh, I'm most looking forward to tomorrow, the release of Batman 83, Absolute Carnage, number five that's been a fantastic story i'm excited to see how that that ends um even with all the tie-ins i'm like, super excited to see how it ends you have the amazing mary jane number two i know some people didn't care for it i'm excited to see where it goes um amazing spider-man 34 uh the continuation of the uh spider-man 2099 tie-in Except for that uh, deadpool number one excalibur number two um, Marauders number two and kind of one that's sneaking under the radar that I think people should pay a little interest in is uh, Fantastic Four 2099 number one. Mm. So that's something mm. to look to look forward to. And then of course like you said, Deadpool number one. Um, there is, it's a huge week for comics. I mean but we are kind of getting in towards uh, the end of the year, the holiday season so this is when things are going to start slowing down a little bit but yeah. big, big marvel week tomorrow for sure big marvel week tomorrow for sure um but that's that's what i'm picking up tomorrow anyway
1: that so. sounds exciting We've got some good
0: reasons <laughs> yes, yeah there's a lot there's a lot <laughs> is there anything else you guys want to uh cover any other uh things you found interesting about the books you read this week that you want to kind of touch on
1: it's been good for me. This was fun. I mean, we got some in-depth reviews. A slow week, I think, we made the most of it as far as books are concerned. Um, I am I'm, I feel pretty confident about them.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, are you guys picking up any of the the uh, Joe Hill stuff, the Hill House books on DC? I keep forgetting. I
1: wanted to read Basketful of Heads. Um, it seemed intriguing. I was listening to one of the interviews um, from Joe Hill and Nagami. It's just a matter of remembering to pick that up because that's something I have on my pull
2: list, but it's something that I do want to read. Have you read any of them? Um, how I have um, Dollhouse Family. I haven't read it yet. I did read Basketful of Heads, and it was fun. It, it's not a lot happened. You just kind of set everything up with characters, and and once again, the end, the very end page is when you're, it's the moment you're like, what? the cliffhanger you know Um, so um it's it's fun it was a fun read so we'll see where it goes not too intense you know it's
1: nice quick read
2: but
0: is there any under the radar books that, that came out recently that you guys think people should check out that you you know didn't necessarily come out last week but something that you would recommend if they're just walking into a comic shop and they're like hey let's take a look
2: um, well, I was really into um, Jeff Lemire's Berserker Unbound. It was, it, it came out, it just ended a few weeks ago. And I, I, I'm big in into like Conan type stuff. <laughs> I love Conan the Barbarian. I love Master of the Universe. And so Berserker Unbound is about um a character like that it's like it's a fantasy type thing where um again big warrior dude um they kind of in the beginning he's he's in this land and he's fighting this evil force this evil wizard who's bent on conquering the the his land and he kills his his family and his village and he's more or less kind of like running from this huge horde that's trying to kill him. And he stumbles into this cave and he's transported into our realm, like our world. And he's, I mean, it's like a big fish out of water type thing. And he befriends this homeless guy and they, they become friends and you know, there's like a mutual respect and Sooner or later, that world follows the Berserker into our world, like all those evil thing beings follow him here. And I don't want to give anything away, but it's, it's a great story. I was really impressed. Um, it was just an impulse kind of thing. I'm like, oh, Jeff Lemire, I'll pick that up. And it was really cool. It was a really fun read. I would totally recommend that. Berserker Unbound. I saw I think Dark Horse put it out. Oh, it's good stuff.
0: What about you, Corbin? I saw you holding a book.
1: Oh, uh, I was holding a Legion of Superhero Switch. Yeah. I mean, listen, it's I did not like, number one, um, exposition Out the wazoo, um, just a whole bunch <laughs> of needless um, just talking. Um, ben just tried to put a lot of jokes in there that I did not – it's almost like I don't think he's very good at writing young adults or teens. Um, it's just – didn't match it felt corny and forced and was just weird um at the same time i mean i really have an outside recommendation i've been very much within my pull list and out um so i've really wandered to look at other books that aren't necessarily like outside of that i hope to this upcoming week or or the next one so maybe i'll have better recommendations for you there um i will say that was the first issue though so i'm talking about legion of superheroes and while it was rough. I mean, it is the first one. Maybe you can build off of that. It is Bendis we're talking about. And like we already discussed, him on DC is very much mostly missed, but um, is worth to try to check out. Aside from that, don't really have a whole bunch. Um, vaguely sad in the future for the uh, Marvel 299 line just in general, but that's well into the future, like next month.
0: All right. Okay, well, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, that'll do it for this very first episode of Tales from the Spinner Rack. Um, again, this show is made up of a collection of members from different local pop culture and comic-based podcasts in the Phoenix area, um, or well, just around Arizona, too. But if, if you would like to be part of the panel and do reviews, uh, drop us a line. Uh, if there's some books out there that we're not checking out that you think we need to be putting on our radar, definitely leave it in the comments and let us know. Uh, you can hit us up on, on social media at any one of our perspective uh, shows. And uh, Twitter handles, we all pretty much communicate once another. We have, like, thousands of group chats that people just keep... to stu- like to keep starting a new group chat for things, but... Quick, quick. New one. Yeah, Yep. <laughs> what are you going to do? But, um, guys, like I said, this is a, co- a collection of other podcasts, so make sure you guys check out and subscribe to Grizzle Geek on YouTube and wherever you pod- uh, get your podcast. Check out Corbin and I every Friday night, 7.30 p.m. on the Absolute Geek podcast right here on YouTube. Check out Jay on uh, Audio Ammunition. Are you guys on YouTube yet, or is it just uh, downloaded? No,
2: we're just um, do it once a month, uh, and it's available on on all the popular podcast uh, channels. There you go. Audio Ammunition.
0: Yeah, you can catch Jay here probably almost every week, right here on uh, Tales from the Spinner Rack. So, I feel like it was a productive first episode. We'll see where it goes from here. Some little bit of growing pains, but it's nothing we can't. I don't think we can't overcome. <laughs> Um, just about getting getting back in the motion and uh, getting used to it. So, guys, again, thank you for tuning in. We will see you guys next week. Remember to support your local comic shops. Keep them bagged and boarded, and we'll see you next time.
2: Bye. <laughs>